morning, everybody. I'm Dan Landrum, and this is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. And here with me today, we have Mr. Steve. Hey. Steven Siebert, who's uh, recording from Nashville this morning. And Aaron O'Rourke, who's sitting across Hello. the room from me, recording from beautiful Signal Mountain. And it's October 11th, and the fall weather is just gorgeous. It's really hard to be inside today. Oh, it's so pretty. I'm currently working on... Aaron and I are doing our rehearsals. He just about killed me yesterday. <laughs> this tune, it's so good, and yeah. it's so hard. And it's challenging me to do uh, to do what it is I say I want to do, you know? What uh, is it that you, that you say you want to do? Well, I, I love the hammer dulcimer. I love the way it sounds, but I also think it's... Uh, you know when you listen to music that has... Uh, our, our arpeggiated arps, they call them, you know, mm-hmm. like the synth- synthesized stuff that so much of it happened in the 80s. Uh, and it's really kind of why I got the Yanni gig also, because he had he used that sound for a lot of these arpeggiated patterns. You are an, uh, you're an, you're a human arpeggiator. I have the ability to be a human arpeggio- <laughs> arpeggiator, but uh, the Hammer Dulcimer is better at it because it has, you know, it's can do other things and you can have somebody write a song and say, Hey, now move here and try this. And anyway, but some of the stuff, when you try to execute it at speed, as we figured out yesterday, the thing we were doing was at about, we were counting it out 118 beats per minute. Yeah. But it was really around 240. It was really around 240 because of the way we're counting it. I can, I can hit it for just a second. Wait a minute. Instead of 120, you were thinking 240. What, what, what? Yeah, so it was more. Well, like, really, really, instead of two forty, we were thinking one twenty. It start did it start on a G. Yes. So it's like, right? Play the opening. Play the opening thing. Let's okay, see if we well, have it back. I've got a capo. Uh, we have instruments in our hands this morning, Steve. Do you? I do. I have an instrument of uh, of peace. All right. Oh, excellent. Give me give me the basic groove for this. But, but none of these guys knew I was going to do this because I didn't know I was going to do this. We're just trying to restart the podcast. This is our second time to start this morning. The no, first it's one our went, fifth. It's our fifth. It is. Yeah. You're right. The first one would have made it difficult for anyone uh, wanting to run for public office. <laughs> like, like Dan here. Or Steve. Look, I just... Never mind. Look, look, I'm as clean as the snow. Come on, let's see. Uh, um, what are we doing? Anyway, it's in that speed range, and without without going into it, and making you guys listen to rehearsal though, for the entire length of the song. Oh, that's with a, weird. With a bunch of notes being, you know, with here's one of the things I've noticed about playing with Aaron that is different from uh, what was the example I gave you yesterday. Oh, hammered dulcimer players tend to like Rich Mullins is playing. Oh right. He started a lot of people off. And he used a lot of patterns that were that were necessarily uh, sort of. They didn't change chords a lot. Is what I'm trying okay. to say. They were kind of consistent and a little more drone based, which the hammer dulcimer is awesome at. Yeah, with just a little variation in the high notes or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the stuff that Aaron's thrown at me <laughs> changes chords a lot. That's good for you. 
It is, and he wants really specific things to happen. <laughs> well, I, I tend to like hearing chords change on beats other than just one and three, which is the most typical in That's true. American fiddle tune form. Anyway, and I think a lot of what we're used to in general, we hear chords change on the first beat and the third right. beat, and I kind of purposefully try and write and arrange for chords to change on the second and fourth beat. Yeah, so when... Aaron and I first started talking about trying to work on things together, Steve. I was I was a little intimidated, but really excited about the opportunity. Uh, and before maybe even I approached him about it, I watched him play and I thought, oh, okay, some of that stuff, that's just fantastic. But I don't know, how can I put this? It's not that I don't think I have the skills to execute it, but I know how much work it is. It's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, and it's going to make the, you better, but it's going to take a lot of work. Absolutely, as does almost anything that's worthwhile. Right. Uh, but my fears began to ease when I talked to Aaron, and in particular about this thing he's talking about now. When he plays, one of the things that sound, makes it sound like Aaron is he does tend to change chords in in non-standard. It's not like they're non-standard, but they're very syncopated ways. Right. And when you set out and you try to count it it can be confusing <laughs> it's usually an and early or an and late right not usually but when it's something weird mm. it's it's usually an and off or not no, um well, in, i think and steve i know what you're talking about you're talking about melodically speaking where a lot of a lot of times we hear uh these changes on numbered beats one two three four and I think a lot of us very subtly in the mountain dulcimer realm will go to these notes in eighth note early on and beats. That's pretty mm-hmm. typical. And I'm still doing that in a lot of the melodies that, that I'm writing. But Dan, what you're talking about is chords changing. Well, that's um, what I was talking about. <laughs> on the fourth beat. So yeah, not on an and beat, but on like a, a two or a four. Right. And okay. sometimes it's the two and it's, I don't mean the two and, it's the two. And in addition to it changing on the two, he's anticipating or pulling it back just a little bit. I mean, sure. it's and the length is precisely the length of a head fake. A <laughs> uh, length of a what? Of a head fake. You know, like fullback's got the ball and he's running down the field and he just does that little bit of head fake. Oh, no. Is this football? It, no. It's, I'm, this is about <laughs> as far as I'm going in football. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, so the point I was getting to a minute ago, I started feeling better about it when I go, man, Aaron, this is just, I want to count the stuff. And I think I'm just not getting it. I'm just trying to count it and I'm not getting it. And and then he told me one day, yeah, I hear that a lot (laughs) (laughs) from from other people. And I just went, ah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if somebody is doing a lot of, uh, uh, if the harmonic rhythm is quite a bit different than what you're used to. It's like you got to memorize all these little places. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you and can't just roll with it. So so speaking of that, yesterday, yeah, I we hear the dog barking in the back. We have windows open and that kind of thing. Dogs are okay. Dogs exist and we live in a real world. Um not one where we're in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to learn this stuff that Aaron is uh, is teaching me, and it's really hard to do slowly. Right. That was one. Of, that's one of the things. But 
if you try it too fast, mm-hmm. you can't do it either. That's hard <laughs> fast also. Yeah. Right. But you, you can't, you have to learn chord structure. At least I have to learn chord structure slowly. And we're taking time to write stuff out. Mm-hmm. But you have to learn groove faster. Syncopation sometimes faster. And you were telling about that just in, in teaching Mountain Dulcimer classes. Oh, right. Yeah, I I read somewhere, or maybe I heard it from from someone. I don't know, but um, but the idea is simply that you're more inclined to settle in and play things at the speed that you first hear it. So a lot of times in class, when I'm demonstrating something, even though I'm not expecting the class to be able to play it up to speed immediately, that's what I demonstrate first, even if it's a simple pattern. Oh, Slow that's it back a good down. idea. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Steve. It's fraught with <laughs> obstacles, too, though. Sure, yeah. Because it makes people think they can't do it. Right, so the first time people hear it, and get, it just sounds like a flurry of notes, and they go, oh, okay. But then when you break it down and you do it slow enough, they see that they can get it under their fingers at a speed, but they already have something in mind that they're going to build toward. Yeah, on the hammer dulcimer, that creates a problem that the actual physical motion that they're make that they're doing to play it more slowly is different than it will be when they execute it at speed. Yeah, I'm learning that on Hammer Dulcimer too. Does but it happen? That's happening for us too, right? Well, that's what I want to know. I feel like it's different. I I feel like it's it's a lot more noticeable on Hammer Dulcimer, huh? Um, because you're talking about the actual the rebound of the hammer. That's right. And oh, how you that's control right. The yeah, and I don't feel thing. like we have anything similar to that yeah thank goodness yeah (laughs) but i'll tell you when i'm playing um when i make that shift from slow to fast if i haven't been playing fast a lot lately it's like i forget that kind of high intensity technique Mm -hmm. and i do feel a shift like sometimes i take the technique that works for the slower stuff and i'm forcing it into the faster tempos um but if i go if i go to a gig and I hang out with a bunch of hot players for a while. It's like I remember, oh yeah, I don't I don't play fast like I play slow. It's weird. It's like I have to get acclimated to it or something. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe that's a little bit of the same thing. Yeah, but I don't got no hammer bounce. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's, and what it, what you said, Aaron's is hundred percent right. I would add to it, it's more than just the hammer bounce. It's the it's the force with which you it's the way the hammer feels when the hammerhead comes up and your hand is also moving at the same time yeah it's a different set of muscles yeah i guess i was including all of that with hammer bounce i'm so glad you're experiencing that because it's it's like my it's it's your private hell well (laughs) as far as teaching yeah kind of well i'm glad i'm experiencing it too because it honestly it makes me feel uh way smarter than I really am being able to tell Steve what it's like playing hammer dulcimer and being able to tell you all the challenges of playing mountain. You yeah, know, well, when I'll... I think of the fact that you're indoctrinating him into this hammered thing, <laughs> I have the option of being jealous, but I certainly am not going to take the opportunity to be jealous because <laughs> I'm quite happy with my instrument of choice, but I'm, you know, I'm glad you're exploring the other planet. Yeah. I'm glad he is too. And one thing you said is true. Uh, all hammer dulcimers players, we all feel smarter than we really are. <laughs> so there, that was supposed to be humble. Did that was that the humble brag? I think we sound very not humble. <laughs> <I think. clears throat> Here's what's popping up. Here's what's popping up. 
people, the words you're hearing, humble brag and shibboleth. What are you talking about? I've not heard, I've not heard shibboleth. I've heard shibboleth on like five or six different podcasts in the last few weeks. Shibboleth? Yeah, a shibboleth. I don't, ex- a shibboleth? Shibboleth. A shibboleth. Yeah, it's, it's a, something that you're holding on to that you shouldn't hold on to anymore. What's the word origin here? I think it's so. It, it to me, it sounds like it's probably Hebrew or something. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. But what somebody can look it up. It? But I also recall that the word shibboleth popped up in a West Wing once upon a time. If anybody wants to uh, shibboleth, and it was involving involving someone from China. I think. All right, but here it, it is. This is crazy. S-H-I-B-B-O-L-E-T-H. Sounds right. Um, it, it is a word or custom whose variations in pronunciation or style are used to differentiate members of in-groups from those of out-groups, with each receiving value judgments of superior or inferior. And the origin is a Hebrew word. It literally means the part of a plant containing grains, such as okay. a ear of corn. Is there another definition that talks about it being something that's not necessary anymore? I don't know that I like your idea. I think this is fascinating. That's pretty cool. But can you see if there is another one, though? Because I, um, I don't a... see that. Wow, that's interesting. I'm well, looking I'm, it up. I mean, I'm no, you know. Yeah, I mean, did you look up... Did you look up shibboleth? Uh, oh, I probably looked. Yeah, it's S H I B B O L E T H S. I mean, this is how we, you know, get firing on all cylinders. It's worth doing this. So, is a shibboleth like when you say Louisville versus Louisville? To kind Might of be, yeah. let people in, know in that you, you know, or Appalachian versus Appalachian. I think I was... Oh, you know, was the next line in Shibboleth from Wikimedia says, Over time, the word has evolved to signify an old belief or saying that is repetitive, repetitively cited but untrue. Are you serious? Uh-huh. That big a shift in meaning? Yeah, well, I think that's the way it's used in politics mostly these days. It's like somebody's hanging on to an old Shibboleth... Or they don't even say old. Hang, it's a Shibboleth that this particular party or this group needs to drop because it's no longer applicable. I think and the very fact that they're using this word is a, maybe a problem. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> but anyway, shibboleth is one I heard pop up several times. So I looked it up and humble brag. I haven't, how you guys have heard that recently, right? Oh, no. Yeah. What are you guys listening to? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think that one came from? Uh, no idea. A humble brag. So let me. I'll I'll do one. <clears throat> I've been. I've, I've put a lot of time into playing all of the Brandenburg and Charity, and it's. I'm finding it's very difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. All right, Charity. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how to hang with this conversation. Dan's giving Aaron you know, all these hand uh, symbols right now over the <laughs> Skype video. I don't know what it means. Do it, I it need means, to learn uh, ASL? What is it? It means Aaron scoot up to the microphone. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to figure out a way to turn oh, that into a humble brag. I'm going to do Aaron's yeah. humble brag. It's really hard for me to come up with a humble brag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Steve. 
I gotta come up with one? Yeah. Uh, just ate about 15 pieces of chocolate. Gotta learn to control myself when flying first class or they're gonna cancel my modeling contract. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I just read that online. I don't, I don't know. A humble you brag. just read that online? Yeah. His, Where? His humble brag is, I'm, I'm really a good reader. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, this is not, this website will get you in trouble, but it's the Urban Dictionary. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, definitely get you in trouble. I wonder if dulcimers in the Urban Dictionary. Hey, can oh, I just say there aren't any definitions for dulcimers? For yet. dulcimers that's, that's awesome. good. So I want to go back to, to to learning new stuff and working with. Uh, so we're moving on past shibboleths and yeah, it's about humble time. brags. We, uh, I appreciate Aaron O'Rourke putting up with what feels to me like an incredibly and an unacceptable slow learning curve that I have. I mean, really? the speed and mm. learning things. Yeah. Uh, there, there are times during the process and I'm saying this about Aaron, but I think any two people who work with other two people, my point is we probably all feel this. Oh yeah. yeah Cause when you're not getting so. it, you feel like you're just, man, there's something wrong with me and mm-hmm. I need to get another job. Yeah. But you're in the pocket. I mean, you're, mm. And you're going to be quicker after this in these ways, I think. Or do you think that you've, you've encountered some walls here that you can't get around? Well, Steve, you've made me believe that, like as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I'm a, I'm a pretty awful sight reader. But if I did practice it every day, you know, like, as you've suggested multiple times, I'd get better. Yeah, you got better at typing. Absolutely. I remembered that, too. That was exciting for me when i realized i'm typing as fast as everyone else in the class nice you know at, at, did you guys have typing classes i didn't i didn't you know i think there was a there was a period where they'd fi- you know they'd try to figure out what do you want to do for a living and then they'd determine if you needed the typing class and i think i came in right after that started to change oh interesting We'd, I don't know. We just had computers everywhere in my school. So, but who we, doesn't need to type? Well, I think you're right. I mean, maybe I don't know, man. I just know that I taught myself to type. You know, we had a class. It was probably tenth grade, so we're talking 1977, and it's not bad. We all had to do it. Huh. I took home ec. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I was I was one of the only guys in my home at class. It was awesome. It was terrible. <laughs> you didn't like that? For me, it was horrible. See, I get to hang out with a bunch of pretty girls and cook food and eat, and I thought it was awesome. I never wanted to cook anything really? for the rest of my life after that class, yeah. What happened, I mean, I've gotten over it. I think we need to hear this. <laughs> yeah, we need to explore this a bit more. Well, I... I I really haven't told. I'm not sure if I'm ready to open up about Maybe the Maybe you shouldn't. Act. It's okay. You don't have this to do it today, but, uh, Aaron. It's just me and Steve. Aaron, okay. it's not your fault. Say I, f- I feel like that uh, that 317 number is about to be put to use with people <laughs> calling in saying, you should have preheated the oven or you should have done this, you should have done that. But uh, no, so you, I just, oh, I, I, just I didn't have fail. one. I, I didn't have one successful meal in that class. Um, every attempt was just 
horrible. Why like, were you doing absolutely so bad? Horrible. You seem like a good cook now. You and told well, me. now, well, actually, this is something me and my wife now disagree on pretty heavily uh, with cooking because I'm like, no, we're following the directions to the oh. T. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that relates to a conversation we just had. I didn't right. realize that part of it. I think people can have passive aggressive relationships with menus. Well, I mean with ingredients. And cooking <laughs> oh, yeah. instructions. You mean re- <laughs> you mean recipes. Rest, that's a good word for it. Mm. <laughs> they should call it that. Yeah, I think people can sometimes their personalities can make it very difficult for them to believe that this thing knows more than they do with their own experiences. What's well, a I love taking a recipe that just calls for walnuts and I just don't put the walnuts in. You know, I do that musically a lot. I'm basically following it to the T, but no walnuts. But also, I really love looking at a recipe and saying, what is this basically? This is basically a cake. Okay, well, forget all that crazy stuff. What is a cake, actually? And I found this book once. I've not been able to locate it again. But it's this whole theory of how to cook where you don't need to use recipe books. It, it says this is what a sauce basically is. You know, this is what a cookie is. This is, this is, and it, and it basically allows you to flavor all this stuff, but it really gets you solid on what does an egg do to a recipe? You know, what is baking? And I feel like musically that's where I've really been excited. This sounds exactly how I've, I've watched you teach Mountain Dulcimer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready, Steve? You have uh, your dulcimer there? Oh no! Uh, and if you and if he fails at this, don't be mean because he didn't know I'm going to do no, this. No, I want to fail at it. You want to know why? Because I'm tired of hearing people being scared of failing, and so yeah, yeah, I yeah. too so, listen to me. No, don't you shut me down. I am ready to fail, and I'm going to do it proudly. I'm moving forward. All right, here we go. So this is easy enough to understand, and so I'm not going to ask you to do something that you know you just don't know how to do it. Let's take a song. Go tell Aunt Rody. Right. No, wait, don't play it yet, please. Uh, in four, would you guys agree? Okay. One, two, three, four, T- one, technically two, in two, two, three, yeah. four. Treat it like it's in four for me. And I want you to not play any threes and play everything else. Don't play any threes, no threes. And I want it, yeah, and hear the melody. That's enough. Okay, rules. here we go. What's funny is, I may have done that wrong, but I think I got it. Yeah. But I, th- I think what I do there is whenever somebody is asking me to put silence um, or a de-emphasis in some area, I will compensate for that subtraction with some kind of physical or mental addition. You okay. know, so you heard me grunting there. Yeah, those were definitely yeah. mental additions. <laughs> yeah, it was very important for me to put something there because my the rest of my body wanted so badly to play a, a note there. So instead of chocolate chips, you might throw in some tofu. Um, I do not need any more estrogen, ladies. <laughs> I see and gentlemen. what you did there. Yeah, I see what you did there. That was. Good. I didn't. Well, I thank didn't you. See thank it. you. I don't see it. I didn't if you get put it. the right amount of soy sauce on tofu, it does have a good flavor, though. Oh, you're right. You burn the edges just a little too. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, that's pretty good. All right, so what was your point about that, though? Well, 
if you were to take that and decide, first off, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And the, the the guttural sounds <laughs> might <clears throat> might not be the way you want to do that. Ultimately, yeah, that'd be the rehearsal, or that'd that be might be getting thing. crazy exactly. on the stage a little bit at some point. Yeah, but that's how you come up with something cool and new. I mean, you challenge, you just lay down a little rule like that. And you do it, and you fight your instincts, but you do whatever you have to do to follow the rule, and then you start pulling away the uh, the scaffolding. You know that's what the ooms are, right? Well, I got a challenge for you. Uh oh. <laughs> now this thing can only be properly judged over a camera, because I, I don't think maybe our audience is going to appreciate this. Um, I'm going to modify it a little bit. So I want you to to um, play in the key of G. And you you can use a G, the A above it, and the D above it. And those are the only three notes you can have. G, A, D. All right? Got it. Yeah. Now, I'm often telling my students how important it is to have flow as a musician and really be able to put your whole self into the music and really express and feel and... And I tell them, if you don't have that flow, adding more stuff to it is not going to make it better, I don't think. Like, I always want to hear, what can somebody do with very little? Where you're emotionally committed to it, you're absolutely taking it seriously. You're like a, a method actor who absolutely believes you are that role. So could you just do something short and super pretty with just those three and do as little as you have to, to let me feel that you're feeling this. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like those spaces. I like where it hangs. You know, for me, when you were hitting the note, I didn't, I wasn't really, um, and this is true of me when I listen to anybody, I'm not really feeling much when you're hitting those notes. But when I can feel you waiting on the next one, that's really where I feel you, at least in my imagination, that's what I think. Some, the, the emotion is in the space most of the times. Yeah, so... Can we try to come up with something off of that real quick? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to riff on it. Ready? Just something simple. I'll do the exact same thing. Cool. Awesome.
you know, I I think we could even do half of that. Yeah. Like, there's got to be some way of working with people. But you know, here's the problem: when I try to share this with some people, maybe it's way more open emotionally than they're used to being with strangers or something. You know, and um, that's a good point, Steve. People yeah. just kind of get nervous and scared, and they're like, "Really." You know, first of all, I just got to convince somebody, you have a nice instrument. You actually tuned it. It sounds good. If you'll just strum that one time like you mean it. Like that thing where Jerry Rockwell said to me, can you play one note well? I mean, here's the funny thing. If you strum the strings once and you can... You can bail emotionally right after you strum. You know, you strum it, and then you're just like, whatever, dude. Whatever. (laughs) You know. But you can also strum it, and you can remain focused, and and you can can embrace that moment, and you can ride that note out like it's a wave, you know? I always think of a blowtorch, like a nice, clean flame. Now... Everybody in the podcast who's listening, I just watched Aaron and Dan make goo-goo faces to each other. But the truth is, this is how I feel about it. And music really is more about feeling than it is sound for me. Now, maybe somebody else wants to recite some kind of tonal row. I'm sure. not into that. <clears throat> Can I ask, and I really am asking this innocently, do people bring that skill with them? Generally, or I don't always. I don't know. Maybe it's a little of, maybe it's a, a blend of things. Maybe you you learn a little more, you develop it. Maybe I don't know. You well, this think theme is come I'm up overly multiple. emotional. That's probably the problem. Right? Well, but maybe you're not. That's my point. Uh, the theme has come up multiple times in these podcasts about not underestimating your audience, and I'm talking about students now. It's just, I mean, unless somebody has a disorder of some kind and that exists. We know that. And maybe degrees of that exist. People are emotional, but they're used to different degrees of it, different types of it, different types of intimacy, you know? Yeah. The, the space, like at the end of the thing that we just did, it, it does take something to accept the fact that I knew Aaron and you were going to wait to hit the final thing and that you guys felt the fact that I retarded then, right? Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because my final three notes were da, da, and then we waited da to hit that final note. And you guys had to calculate in your enormous brains <laughs> between those last two notes where I was going to hit the, the, the note that followed it after four whole beats or however we were counting that. How does that work? Is that magic? Well, I'm doing it over Skype from, you know, two hours <laughs> yeah. away. Humble so. brag, humble brag. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> the thing is, as I, was, as I was playing, I was thinking Dan might even delete me from this portion because it might nah. be all wonky. So I was trying to play things that might not get deleted, <laughs> you know, which for me was a tremolo. So that meant it made it safe for me to let you do your retard and, and trust that Aaron's going to, you know, handle that ending. I think it, at the end I was just, 
doing something real simple. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you created a, but in doing that tremolo, you created a column response thing. A little opportunity for that. A little which, bit, maybe. Because yeah. Aaron had mm-hmm. kind of picked up the groove. Yeah, he was grooving. Groove is in the heart. Yeah, I was actually going to break out of what I was doing and go into something else, but then I was occupying the space that Steve was already settled in with the the tremolo. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it becomes something that no one expected. I know Mm -hmm. those of you who have painfully listened to all these podcasts have heard this before. All 12 of you. (laughs) That's, That's true, which makes this even more obnoxious. But the training that I took in improv... Improv comedy helped me musically more than I can ever imagine. Because it go helped back, you emotionally. It helped. You it helped emotionally, but it also helped to realize that the sum, not trying to control what's happening, and accepting what is happening, like Aaron just did. He had an idea he was probably going to go with, but then someone else did something. Your job as a musician or an improv comedian is to immediately support what somebody else added to it that you weren't thinking of. Yeah, and when I was yeah. doing the tremolo, I wanted I was thinking of doing something different, but I thought, no, 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 no. This fits. It lets them know what they can do. Just stick with the tremolo. This is bound to be short, you know. Well, and as free hugsy as this all seems, it's not like that when we're rehearsing something that I have written and brought to the table. Yeah. Or Aaron has written and brought to the table. There's another thing. You That's know? right. You got to be I mean, willing to go, hey, I kind of like this. And if the other person goes, no, I like this other thing, <laughs> it's their call. And I want to be clear. I know I've talked about this before, but I love complexity. But I want somebody to kind of prove that they can handle simple and really do simple really, really well. You know, and then I believe practice and rehearsal is what allows you to bring complexity and without ruining your core experience of, you know, quality flow. Isn't that space complex, though? That's a hard thing to master. It seems that people rarely bring that when they're just starting to learn an instrument. Yeah. I think I try to teach people that from the beginning. Now, am I pulling it off? I think in some instances I have, but I, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to wait. No, I want to bring the good stuff first, man. But you're saying you think it's maybe something you can't teach. Are you serious? Come on. I'm thinking space is complexity as well. Well, sure. But let's not add to it with a bunch of arrangements that are just unnecessary chatter. Yeah, I get that. I guess what I'm talking about, though, is when you have a student. I forget which one of you guys said it. It's emotionally complex to wait. I think so. And even, Hmm. you know, I I teach what you do with your hands during the spaces matter as well. What you do with your head, with your body is all a part of that. And you're taking a chance that you look a little bit, I don't want to say this. I don't want people to worry that they look strange. Yeah, but we all worry Hmm. about that. I mean, I I don't think. think I do anymore. I do. I mean, I still, if, um, sometimes I have a hard time making eye contact with people and just feeling at peace in that space. But if I'm playing music with somebody and it's going well, like I have no problem looking at Aaron and just kind of staring into his eyes as we listen to this 
last little part of the song kind of fade out. I'm more comfortable doing it than I am hearing you explain it. (laughs) I'm sure. But it's funny to me because um, what is that? Like, I really don't want to stare at Aaron and just stare at him and feel at peace with that. No. But if we're playing a song and he has this look in his eye like, that was cool. And I'm thinking, we did it. You know, we just need to let this ending happen. And this that felt pretty darn good, man. You know, I don't know what you call that. But but that whatever. See, I'm I don't think I can define all that. But what whatever's going on emotionally, there's not happening with me at Burger King when I have to look at that lady in the eye for like thirty seconds. You know, I don't. Maybe if I had more confidence about char broiled burgers, I don't know. Would you please talk about what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I don't want to be. Yeah, I want to be careful because you and I have had this a personal discussion about. You've noticed. You call it flirting when you talk about, you've told me this. Now, maybe maybe you've, your opinion has changed and that's all cool. Well, I, but, I don't think I mean anything negative by yeah, that. Yeah, no, no. But, but like if we're at the window at Burger King, I think it's what you just said. I am looking the person, male or female, in the eye and trying to make a connection to them while I give them my dollar forty-seven cents because I want them to feel good about themselves. When right, I and I want that too. But you've told me before that you're less comfortable doing that with females because you don't want them to think that you're being a creep. Yeah, now this is something maybe shouldn't be on a podcast, but I'll I'll go for it. So I grew up hearing <laughs> about guys it. who were real creeps. And so I grew up, I mean, I heard really terrible stories, you know, from family members and different things and, and uh, just for friends and stuff. And so I always thought I don't want to be. Sure. I don't want. It's not that I know I'm not the creep and it's, and I just don't, it's like when you're, if, if it's getting dark and you're, you're walking down the street and there's a lady coming your way, I will cross the street just so she doesn't have to feel uncomfortable. Is that crazy? Sometimes maybe, sometimes not, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's somebody I know, I'm not going to do that, you know, but, um, at the fast food place. You know, I don't know. But now that I'm an old man, <laughs> I love it because they're like, how you doing, Gramps? And I'm like, pretty good, sweetheart. Thanks. Have a good day. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm enjoying this white beard business. Yeah. I, I didn't say all that to make you uncomfortable either. And you're not acting oh, like worked. you are. But it's... Which but is, what are you connecting to? You're connecting to this musical expression thing? What is yeah, it? I'm connecting to the to what people bring to lessons, you know. Some of that kind of emotion is wrapped up with that. Maybe wrapped up. I can't know what's going on in anybody's head. But even (laughs) in an awkward way, after we finished that piece a minute ago, I have no idea really if it was any good, but I know it felt really good. And I felt good when we were done. It felt good enough where I wasn't worried about if it sounded good. But that's that might we might be different than Aaron on this point. Maybe I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I thought it. I I thought it felt good. Um, this is real. We're we're all feeling good right now. Well, but I'm I'm in my head, uh, Steve. I'm I keep going back to. Uh, we've talked a lot about playing on stage and uh, 
improvising and working out these duets and some insecurities that pop up. And I'm thinking back to <laughs> the last time we played on stage together where there was a... Uh, this is awesome. There was a... There was some latency coming from the PA system on my <laughs> end. And I think that whole time I was giving you this what is happening look. And I don't want you to mistake that for uh, that I was upset about anything that was going on. Well, I want you to know that I was when you were giving me that look, I remember thinking. I have to be the best I can be right now and not worry about. Aaron, because the best way I can take care of Aaron right now is to just be the best I can be. But yet, I was looking at you seeming bewildered, and I was listening to the slap back. It was a very disconcerting situation. Yeah. That was freaky, dude. Yeah, that was not the fault of any of the musicians. So the latency is, we think that as you strum, there was something a little... Yeah, this that was not happening. slap back. I don't think that I was hearing. I'm pretty sure I was hearing some latency for some reason. Dan thinks he knows why. <laughs> well, let me before Dan comes in. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so when Aaron brought this up, I instantly thought he's totally right. Like when you I don't know if we were on the phone or where yeah. we were, but I was thinking he's totally right. But then when I went and listened to the YouTube video, that didn't jive with our little hypothesis to me. I maybe thought it I, did. Okay, well, maybe I, I need to listen again. So you thought that when you played, it was coming out late. Yeah. And, but Dan, what what's your, what are you thinking? I think you guys think that this is safe territory to talk about. It's way safer to talk about being a creep. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't talk about latency <laughs> no i don't think i think no because that whatever was going on i kept thinking aaron is like aaron's pretty rock solid on timing i'm not used to hearing him drag and i'm not saying you were dragging Aaron, but when we were up there initially playing i was like somebody's dragging who's dragging and then i was like it sounds like aaron's dragging i was like no, but it was almost like you were dragging consistently. It was absolutely yeah. super freaky. And it is important to talk about this because we some see here's the reason I don't think there was latency because you Aaron, yeah, played too well. Like if I imagine having that kind of latency, I don't think I could have handled it. Okay, when I played solo, I was going nuts. Notice oh, you how sounded great. Notice how I never fell into a consistent rhythm anywhere in any yeah, of the songs I played. But don't you think I, I would have been able to tell if you were completely, you know, bewildered? It was like, it, you know, what it's like to play with a delay, and you can settle into the delay, and the, and it helps you keep time. Right. This it's, was not that. This was no matter what. That's a delay that you've chosen. Right. A delay that you've chosen. This was not that. This was no matter when my attack came, I was hearing it come out late. Is this the there, fourth podcast we've talked about this? Have we no, talked about this? No, at all? I don't think about this one exactly. Are you sure we didn't talk about this in the last one? We've talked about the importance so. of playing with the delay. If we're t if we're repeating well, a podcast, a different, this different began topic. with "I don't want you to think." <laughs> <laughs> 
I remember that specifically from a few ago. But you know, Aaron and I recently in some podcasts have talked about, you know, my insecurities and playing with him or whatever. Um, it was nice to go do a gig mm -hmm. because I could have been weirder. I could have been scared like, oh, we've talked about all this crazy stuff but i actually well, the, the funny, i actually felt good but maybe you the, didn't i don't know well no I, I didn't i didn't feel good musically and i felt right. like that was outside of anything that we could control friendship right wise i felt pretty good with you <laughs> but i will sit in hearing you say on stage you know i feel like i can look into aaron's eyes or look <laughs> at aaron's face and i'm thinking back to the last time we played together and i could not have been giving a good look to anyone <laughs> at all and i i want to make sure you are not misinterpreting that Dan, what's what's the weather been like around uh, Chattanooga? So the weather here is kind of amazing, but that's got nothing to do with any of this. Uh, yeah, this is getting uncomfortable for my friends, but let's just stay here. <laughs> How long, let's get really uncomfortable. <laughs> There's this device that you can buy, and I think it's on, I think I saw it on thinkgeek.com. That's a focused microphone that you can point at someone who is, talking too much and it has a uh, speaker associated with it and it sends their voice back to them at some predetermined delay that i don't know if it was really they worked on making this perfect and optimized it however they would do that but it makes people confused and they stop talking this is like for a marriage or something <laughs> i would recommend against that okay uh, my wife would probably like to have one for me, though. But you point it at people, and it makes them hear themselves back on a delay, and it confuses them, and they talk less. We've all experienced this on cell phone right. conversations when that happens. The best thing to do is to hang up and start over again. When that happens to you <laughs> musically, the same thing happens. I almost stopped playing several times. Yeah, when you yeah, told I'm so the story, surprised. Yeah, when you told me the story, I was thinking, oh, no, this is going to be the thing where Aaron stops and goes, I'm sorry, I just can't do I this. I have to leave now. <laughs> I was <That's> close. Right. <laughs> yeah, but Aaron, I really think you could have just said, Steve, let's not use the PA. Let's just not use the PA. I probably would have said, well, shoot, we're playing these band jammers. Yeah, let's. I mean, we, okay. we could have done next time if we run into that, you know, just. That has risk. That has risk, too, though. Not with a band yeah. jammer, I don't think. No, it has risk to the person who took the time to set the sound right. up. I know. And mm -hmm. and Mike I think he did a good job, you know, and but some some every once in a while, like I just heard of a wedding that was canceled, but they went ahead and had the party anyway. You know, I mean every once in yeah. a while you do need to maybe just shut off the sound, but I don't know. If there's a delay, yeah. I mean, come on. Fix it or shut it off, right? Well, yeah. If the audience isn't hearing it, yeah, oh, but man, it's... how did Aaron do that? That's the that's the re anyway. Maybe he's that good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, what tends to happen is people try to overpower it with volume, right? I I know that I'm real insecure about my tempo when I'm around you two in particular, and when we were playing on stage, I was real wobbly as far as like what do i pay attention to what do i do do i just right. and i remember thinking just move forward man just keep playing <laughs> you know 
Anyway. Yeah, they were. Yeah, there were times that I just tried to block out what I was hearing and just go completely by feel. Um, That's and so bizarre, there were, dude. There were other times where uh, I tried to just come to a a stop in the most musical way I possibly could take a deep breath and get through the next section. Uh, That's what you do in life. I think a lot. So you, you superstars, you bring the skill set to this thing. (laughs) You bring the skill set that most people don't have. And my neck is killing me. Just trying to keep this brain up. (laughs) (laughs) That's a humble brain. That's good. But you do. And people who are coming in for, for lessons, you know, and just trying to learn an instrument. Now, I think the delay may be unique to brain function in that it actually almost makes it so it's impossible. And if you do want to continue, you absolutely have to choose to not hear what's going on. Right. And we know that's possible with the human brain because it does it every night when we sleep. I mean, and some people probably get better at it. And I think meditation and all those kinds of things can help with something like that where you say, I'm going to drown it out. I'm going to focus on one thing. I have a hard time with that. It's hard. It's really hard. But, yeah, I mean, you do it. You do it. I mean, we could look at different ways that you do mm-hmm. it. It happens when you're driving and just all kinds of things yeah. go on. But on stage, you're already a little bit on edge and maybe not breathing properly. And, you know, if, you, if your breathing gets affected and your skin turns, you know, red, <laughs> you can spiral yeah. out of control. Yeah. I've seen both of you guys spiral out of control. <laughs> Have we ever spiraled completely out of control? Not on, on stage. stage. Not on stage. You've yeah. seen a spiral out of con- You're talking about me now, apparently. I'm talking no, about, no. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about me too, but I'm the one who's What speaking, do you mean so spiraling you totally out of control? To where you're getting so emotionally upset about a situation that it's going to be really hard for you to operate at peak performance. I only do that when you... When when we're at Walmart and you're walking too fast, that's when I start to get. Yeah, Dan, angry. that's real messed up. You don't know the story, do you? No. He oh, went we've off told me this one time. Before. Not with Aaron here. Okay. We're walking through a Walmart, and I'm walking purposefully <laughs> too fast. <laughs> and he goes, "Dude, I'm not walking with you anymore. You remind me of a poodle." <laughs> well, the reason Minus is the I've been in a lot of situations where. Uh, this one is this is probably inappropriate but if if i'm if i haven't been walking fast and i'm not ready to walk fast for a variety of reasons doing too much of that in one day can make the next few days harder for walking in general and so i just remember thinking you have to say no to dan on this fast walk business i recently did this with neil hellman in california We had walked along the beach in in Santa Cruz. It was gorgeous. I don't know how long we were out there, but I loved it, you know. And then he said, you know, let's go get my girlfriend and we'll do some more of this walking. And I remember thinking, you're going to have to shut him down on this extra walking business, (laughs) you know. Did you call him a poodle? But I love Neil and he really took good care of me and his girlfriend's awesome. And we did go out a second time and we did do a a bunch more walking. But there was a point they were like, do you want to hike over there? And I just remember thinking, you're 42. You know, that was a, a 
couple months ago. You're 42, and if you don't want to walk anymore, you need to tell him. And I just told him, this walk is over. (laughs) 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 That's so funny. But when people are being gracious hosts, you know, I want to go on the hikes, but sometimes you just know that it's going to make that airport walk later just a little rougher. Yes, I'm out of shape a little bit. I need to get my act together. Okay. That was nice of you to say all that. You can edit all of that out. No, I don't I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. Yeah. What's that got to do with delay? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is you said sometimes people are falling totally apart. Like you just get yeah, frustrated. Oh, yeah, spiraling out of control. Was was your saying, Dan, you were walking like a poodle, spiraling out of control, or just maybe not the best way to say, hey, dude, I'm tired. Can we slow down a bit? I th- it had so nothing to do, do with tired. how do you do that on stage? It, it has to do with, it's not, it has nothing to do with being tired. We'll talk about this privately later. I think <laughs> that's humble defensiveness. Right. <laughs> I think that I was seizing control of the situation, not, not letting go of it. Ah, I would like to see you approach those kinds of situations like you approach music. Me too. Ooh, good one. So, okay. Actually, yeah, I can see that being really valuable. Like just with the same degree of wisdom that you approach music. Let me say right. Like, and I can see a walk through Walmart being like, okay, what do we have here? And should we got to walk through Walmart? It's, it's the steps I don't take. Like, see, I want to be able to get the things you get with the least amount of steps. I mean, yeah, you can take, you can take as many fancy steps as you want, but before you do that, I want to see the most direct path, the most meaningful path without all the extra stuff. Okay. Is that fair? Well, the reason we were in the Walmart, if I remember correctly, is we were on a road trip and we've been in the car for too many hours and we're and it was either really hot or really cold. Nice try, Dan. We came down from your house to get something and we were, it was right at the base of signal. Oh, okay, it was that Walmart. <laughs> well then I was I was embarrassed. It's a big mountain. <laughs> I was embarrassed because that's my personal Walmart. <laughs> you called me a poodle. No, I think oh. I admired you for doing that. This all has mu- musical metaphors all built in it. I admired that you wanted to. I admire your lifestyle of physical health. You know, it's just in that moment I had to seize control and say, "I'm not going to be part of this." Well, thank you for saying that nice thing. Uh, but the, back on the subject. Of music. Of, I liked what you said of, about maybe of delay. the courtesies we give each other in music should be applied to... Um, yeah, it's more than just a courtesy. It's my goal is to make you look as good as possible. Right. And it's not just being narcissistic to understand that that's the best way of making me look good in this process as well. Because it's a col- it's a collaborative thing. We don't need to make anybody look good. We need a good thing going on. Is what we need. I, I'm gonna give an, I'm gonna give another paint. And by the way, we got a, I got a really nice note from someone who said they related to the painting example that one of us gave last week. I don't even remember what the example was exactly. But it be it would be as if we were all painting or drawing at the same time, and the. And it was important that we get these flowing lines, you know, that were moving in a certain direction. Uh-huh. And another one of us wanted to get our line to be more prominent, the other person's line. And we pushed mm-hmm. their hand out of the way, you know, making their line go crooked. Right. Uh, 
which would kind of mess up the overall flow. I mean, that's what we're doing. That makes sense. I actually like that painting metaphor more. Hmm. The funny thing was, I almost, I almost debated the painting metaphor last time. I actually time. don't remember it. I just remember it had to do with chords, and uh, or I thought it had to do something with. Um, no, nah, I, it I might be completely yeah. misremembering, but yeah. my point my, uh, that I was thinking was you were you were talking about you you've got the primary colors and you All can create you can yeah. create any color you want using those starting with the three primary colors and my take on that was gonna be on mountain dulcimer if you're using a diatonic instrument there's nothing wrong with this but you might not have all three primary colors to be able to go in in every direction yeah or maybe you it. need a little black or white you know yeah right. but i'm afraid that you guys have convinced me that you do because i've watched you guys bend every note out of the diatonic instruments yeah but that's and not Steve, where I've i want to go dude i don't yeah. i don't i think when i bend it's because i have Wait. to sometimes it's not it's, where you want to go but you took time to no, master it i i don't feel like my like i can execute uh, bending the string to get the note that I need as perfectly as I could Me if I too. just had that note readily available. Of course. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah. I think there's two kinds of bends for me. There's the Eddie Van Halen kind of bend where I'm going up a half or a whole step and adding some vibrato and I'm trying to mm -hmm. emulate like a, a electric guitar player. Right. Um, that's different. So let so sometimes in these songs there's a note I really got to get like I've been working on this sleepwalk, and um it, you know there's the parts of the song where it's it's a the whole hook is a is a you know a pedal steel player or a lap steel whatever he had, um and I'm trying to do that with a bend because I don't have the notes I need on here, and it's as much as I keep working on it it doesn't work, it doesn't work but I continue to have faith in this and pursue it just in case it might work one day. But I'll tell you a lot of the times when I bend to get a note, I don't have it. I'm not happy with it. There, there are a few places where I can say, I think it's working, but I don't know if that's cause I'm used to the crappiness of it or if it's actually getting cool. I don't know. I probably need to have a, a consult consult with some <laughs> kind of music professional. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> As do we all. Oh, whatever. Awkward silence after a diatribe about bending. So, Aaron, you're not bending to get notes. No, I do. I just... Generally, I don't try and do that at breakneck speed because I can't execute it very well. Yeah, I at tend least to do a it point on slow I'm, stuff. Yeah. Me too. To a point where I'm happy with. Anyway, so... With that, with that in mind, there are some, there are some complex chords uh, that might use some some intervals that I don't have readily available on the fretboard, where I'll just if they happen kind of as a passing tone or at an inconvenient spot for me to pull off technically, sure. I'll just try and ignore it if completely. I, so I don't have that right. If we can ignore available, it, then we do. Yeah. Right, but, but yeah, you know, it, there's a thing about when we bend, which I think could make it all work. 
There's many places where if I can have the bend happen in silence really quick so that right. you don't hear me bending up to that note, uh-huh. and then I nail it, and then I mute it so I can leave the bend in silence. Yep. I feel like if I could really get that, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm working on. Works yeah, on Hammer so, Dulcimer too. Yeah, so then if you imagine you're playing kind of at the the top of what you consider to be your a comfortable groove given any piece. Now you take a note and you add three steps to that, to playing that note. And that's what you have with bending to get that interval. Yeah. It's complex and yeah. you actually have to practice it. I think it's one of those things you have to practice, even if you're not using right. because it changes timing mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a tough one to teach. And so often these bends, to do cleanly have to happen without any other string vibrating. Not always, right. but many times. And so not only do you have a note that happens to be a little out of tune because your bend stinks, but it's the only note going on at that moment. And I had to mute before and after it. And it's just yeah. like wimp city. Well, we have instruments. I want to demonstrate on hammer. Oh, I forgot. And there. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'll bend a note here. And I'm going to let it come back down. And I'm bending it by pressing on the opposite side of the bridge for hammered dulcimer players. All right. So that's one effect. Another effect is to Which bend I that like. thing up. Another one is to bend it up. I want it to end up. This time I'm going to put another note on top. So it went down. Which I kind of don't like. But I like this. Oh, sorry. And you guys and can't see one, this, but he's having to mute his first note with his thumb before hitting the second. That's yeah, tricky Yeah, which is exactly business. what you said, Steve. So mm-hmm. you don't hear the other one come back down, and now all of a sudden it sounds like you've done something you can't do in the hammer dulcimer. And then, here's the last one I'll show, then I'll give it to you guys. You can do it over a much greater length, and it creates the impression that I bent... But I can't. I wish you'd do more of that stuff in your playing. I think that's pretty cool. It's it's interesting what you said, Aaron, a minute ago, is you do it when you're going slowly because it's tough to pull that stuff in when you're playing fast. Right. So anyway, you guys, what similar things? Well, I'll just give you a few examples that I use sometimes. Um, I don't have um, a one and a half fret. And so... If I wanted to play on the melody string, oh, one, one and a half, I don't have that one and a half, right? So I'm going to do oh, one on the melody string, and then I'm going to try to grab a four and a half bend on the middle. You know, but that's not in tune. Um, sometimes I think in that situation, I'm likely to just play on the middle three, four, four and a half. Can I say something, Steve? But it's out of tune. Yeah. It's, it's, it's out of tune like a machine, but it's not out of tune like a human. Because when people sing, you know, I'm actually, there's a lot of work that goes into these days, making pop songs sound like everything's perfectly in tune. Right. It sounds horrible. But you know, I live in Nashville and you've always got the engineer going, no man, it sounds good that you're out of tune. It sounds more human, you know? And it's well, like, it you does. just want me to leave your studio sooner. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you have to learn to read that, I guess. Yeah. But no, 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 I agree with you. But I, I'll tell you, I do think I play, I bend in tune better live than I do at home. 
Maybe. Interesting. Why? And I even feel like I'm not a good singer, but I feel like when I'm live and I sing a song, I always sing, no matter how bad it sounds, I always sing better in tune on a stage than I do at home or in a rehearsal or something. Can I, I speculate as to why that's true for you? Why? Because you're a, you're a, uh, like a quality control guy who goes back and checks your, you, you get a caliper out and you check and see how it was. When you do it live, you don't. You got to throw it out there. You just do it and it's Uh gone. But, you know, I've seen you look at your timing and set up a, put paper all the way around the room with a printout and measure the distance between each note to see if it was. That was just psychosis. (laughs) (laughs) listen to this one though this one's my i like my eddie van halen which that's that's a tune or and i want to hear aaron's too but here's i often wish i had a seven and a half which would be an a sharp on the middle so i'll play a four on the melody and then i'll play a seven and a half bend on the middle and then a five on the melody Now that's kind of noisy, but there's a series of strange right and left hand mutes going on to to get that to happen. Oh, hold yeah, on. I'm going like, to do this mm-hmm. one and then I'll shut up. This is this one's fun. So, I wish I could play my 3 1 and a half 1 chord. It's a real nice C chord, but I don't have a 1 and a half fret. So, I'm going to play a 3 1 1 index ring pinky and then I'm going to bend the middle string with my pinky and try to get it up to a C. Wait, wait, wait. And it sounds like the Eagles. It does. Do you mean bend the middle string with your ring finger? Huh? Do you mean bend the middle string with your ring finger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I It I've sounds like a 12-string guitar where, you know, one of the notes is a little bit out. But That's... it's you can play like here's here's um an F chord. I'm playing a 644 index ring pinky 644 index ring pinky 6 is on the bass that's an a minor but if i bend that middle string up a half step i can get it to an f mm-hmm. and actually i'm always really bad at it and it's working pretty well right now i'm going to start using this more aaron how about you how about some strange bends all right well before before i do anything i just wanted to point out one that uh that c chord that you did three one one bend the one on the middle string with your ring finger one and a half c that is crazy for most because on the first fret that's where you're gonna find the most amount of tension on your middle string because it's right by the nut right and you're getting that you're bending that where your hand is already stretched out and you're bending it with a finger that's that most people don't have a lot of power with. Yeah, but most people spend too much time walking on the beach and they don't have as much energy left over. <laughs> hey, nobody said this would be easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's just but nobody would have preserving. thought we would have come this far. Right. <laughs> that's a Cheryl Crow song. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Anyway. So here's what I found with that: is as your callus gets more developed, right, you experience a whole lot less pain there, and you can really, and you can. It is the it's the one of the hardest bends ever. 
Right. Ooh, ooh, I hate that I'm doing this. <laughs> but the middle string, you know, to the left of the nut, uh-huh. you can bend that to get an A sharp on the middle. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, come on. Hey, the, lo- the laws of the uh, universe, which dictate how much people can tolerate as far as the length of a podcast, uh-huh. are kicking in. All right. I know, well, but I want to just do this do one it. real quick. Don't okay. t- no, don't do it real quick. I want to I be inspired. And Come on. All right. So I, I actually like uh, using some bends where I don't have to be really accurate with them, like uh, doing some pedal steel kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what is and that? So that was that was just uh, I'm playing a seven on the melody string, a seven on the middle string. I'm pl- I'm starting by plucking the middle string and bending it. Then middle, back to I'm sorry. Yeah, start with the middle, bend it, melody, back to the middle and bend down. Then same thing on the fourth fret. That's hard. And, then, and also, my double melody fret. is letting me down here. I, if I had a single, it would be easier. Just get in that the again? way. My double melody is getting in the way a little. Are you bending the middle string towards you or away? Towards me. Try bending it away. Really? Huh. Yeah, and I'm have Yeah, I could get better at that. That's awesome. That sounds like um, and you don't the have fall to st- guy. You don't have to stop that uh, that bend either. Even if I mean, yeah, even if it's not perfect, I like hearing it move anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, but I gotta yeah. get it in tune a little bit. But yeah, that's killer. Okay. <laughs> You're making you guys are making me want to hear some credence now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's another one? All right, well that's. <laughs> No, you want me come to keep on. going? Or I know save we're almost done, time. but this listen. This it, it, all they have to do is stop listening. You guys, they can listen to half of the podcast in their car, half of it when they go to the gym, the other half a week later, or we could continue next week. Yeah, let's continue yeah, next but week. I, you mean yeah. I can't hear any more bends? We're not going to talk about bends next week. Sure, we sure will. we are. Let's talk. Uh, uh, that's next week. Let's talk about uh, techniques. Like, I what mean, about this one? What about this one? Dual string <laughs> bends. Stop. Like, check this one out. <laughs> or how about this one? When you go, uh, da 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 da. <laughs> Can't quit. Hey, passive aggressive man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. No, I just can't get into this thing where you shut the podcast down. It's crazy. It's like, well, guys, that's about it. The fact is, leave? this could go for hours. This is Dan's Walmart right now. That's right. <laughs> we want we want people to uh, wish we hadn't stopped. <laughs> I just want them to shut it off when they've had enough. That's what I do with podcasts. Well, good for you. Hey, do you listen to the end of a up. podcast? Who does that? We have some stuff coming up. Uh, we're all going to be in Black Mountain Woo-hoo. in two weeks, oh, right? Oh, that's yeah. great. Let's get the word out about that. They're not not—they're no longer listening to the podcast, but let's tell them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> yeah, so 
what is today? Today's the 11th of October, 2016. This thing starts, it's a Monday through Friday festival. Is that correct? It's yes. gorgeous there. The weather's going to so, be great. Let me look on a calendar so we can tell people exact dates. And I think, so this, listen, I want to say this. This is inside stuff. Uh, Chuck Mosley, uh-huh. who's putting this thing on. Great guy. It's Chuck, right? Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. He... This is another one of those things where a great guy is doing a great thing for a great community, and he's putting his own self at financial risk for this. He really is. Mm-hmm. And he's paying us very nicely in terms of what, I don't mind saying this stuff, in terms of what we generally get paid for dulcimer festivals. Right. And I, for one, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And they also have it, I've put on festivals myself and tried to do the same thing. It's risky. He is so close to being at what he said is what he needs to feel like the whole thing is a success. Right. And he's not doing this to make a buck. He really That's right. loves Black Mountain. He missed being there. He likes being around all of us. And he just wanted to see it happen again. That's it. That's the only reason he did this. That's right. So if you have opportunity, go to their website. Does anybody know what that is right off right uh, offhand? Is it Black Mountain Music Fest? Gonna, I might be wrong. I'm going to look it up. I'm Let's looking see. it up. Black Mountain Dulcimer Festival. Yeah. And it's 2000. Well, my internet is acting wonky. But Black, let's see. Stay with us, guys. Black. Or you can Google this just the same way that we can. Mountain, if you have Anyway, definitely us. check it out and you will. Almost there. I don't think you would regret going to this. And it's. I love, it's one of my favorite physical locations on earth. It's right there. Aaron was Mountain. correct. It's Black Mountain Music Fest. It's October 23rd through 28th, and my goodness, he's got a bunch of really cool yeah. players there. I'm so looking forward to it. I'm going to say I'm fast. Ready? Uh, Richard Ash, Lois Hornbostel, Aaron May, Aaron O'Rourke, Stephen Seifert, Linda Brockington, Tall Glasner, Joshua Messick, Amber Rogers, Ahukai Teves, Bing Futch, Dan Landrum, Sarah Morgan, Butch Ross, Rick Thumb. That's a... Uh, that's a good festival waiting for you. And we all get yeah. along, so it's it's going to be good. Hey, you know, we could do, um, we could always a put a little ad at the top of the podcast. We've thought about that, yeah. But we, I think all three of us need to promote this right. uh, on our websites. I think and, you're right. And also and a bunch sure of new Dulcimer School video, which is pretty cool. Yeah, Dulcimer School's rocking. Yeah, uh, we're getting we're getting new members, and get, so again, for any hopeful, why do we say for people that are still listening? Because we're not listening; <laughs> they don't hear this. Can we just play a little outro? No, nope. I'm going to tell you seconds. this. I want to tell you this. I, a student called a week ago, or somebody who wanted to be a physical Hammer Dulcimer student here in Chattanooga. I said, "What you should do is start with Dulcimer School, and then we'll set up lesson times." She logged on, she took the first free lesson, and then something went wrong. Some technical thing happened and she couldn't get to the next one and it wouldn't let her log back in. Our awesome support team at DulcimerSchool.com, Daniel and Andre, I wrote them and I included her on it and said, hey, these guys will take care of it quickly, you just watch. And within hours, they had solved whatever problem it was. And she wrote back and just said, this is amazing. <laughs> You're funny though. Within hours, she only had to sit on the phone for two hours. Well, you know, it's actually probably within minutes. I didn't see the email. I right, didn't right. see the no, message. They're cause I was crazy fast. Else. Yeah. They're crazy yeah. fast. Yeah. So, I mean, your, your mileage might vary. Who knows what could be happening at any time, but, uh, 
Dulcimer School is working really well, and it's fun to see the number of students there growing and uh, people starting to interact a little bit more. And I've had mm -hmm. some uh, comments to get to reply to more lately than we used to, and there's new content. So join us, dulcimerschool.com. Totally. Aaron's there and Steve's there. Mm -hmm. Come on, play, just play for 15 seconds. Come on. We, we're just going to play this thing out? Just 10 seconds. Just play. Okay, okay. I'm going to set up a rule, and we're just going to play this out. This is going to fade into... That thing that that we wrote, dum dum da da dum dum da dum. Can you think of what key that's in, Steve? G, I guess. It's probably D, I'd say. So let's let's. I'm gonna we'll do something in G so we can fade one of these into the other. I'm gonna set a groove. You guys just join. Ready? is speeding up and slowing down. It's hilarious. It's going faster and slower. Alright, we're gonna... <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. Skype was... You know how it does with FaceTime where it speeds you up and then it slows you down and speeds you up and slows you down. It was hilarious. That's not good. <laughs> Every once in a while, Aaron looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry if I bullied us into that. Have a good day.